Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Rise and War podcast. Uh, today, we have the great pleasure of talking with Jeff and Jessica. You know what, guys? I didn't ask you how to pronounce your last <laughs> name, so I'm going to assume it's Depati. Is that right? I mean, that's a good, good. assumption because that's how it's spelled, but uh-huh. I like to say Depatsi because it sounds fancier and... <sighs> we don't have a lot of fancy going on in our life. So okay. that's yeah. J- Jeff and Jessica Depatsi. Is that Ooh, right? So fancy. Okay. I-, I thought it was either that or uh, maybe French Depatsi, but we'll just go with Depatsi. It is French. <laughs> okay. Uh, I- how would I just say Jeff and Jessica from here on out? Uh, yeah. No, I okay. my full name. <laughs> well, anyway, Jessica, um, you are the host of the Shadow Work Library, which, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, it focuses on the darker side of like the human experience and how to integrate that into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, she is also the CMO of the Special Forces Experience. She is a combo provider, which uh, if you've done combo, you understand that that is my favorite and most hated medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're also a documentary producer. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also talking with Jeff. Uh, whose military career and the Canadian Special Forces is, if you look at your list of to-dos and your accomplishments, it's basically something that every kid dreams of growing up to being. Um, You're also co-founder of the Special Forces Experience, uh, and you're the co-producer of that documentary, Post Traumatic Growth. Uh, And that is the main reason why we're here to talk. Um, Talk about this documentary and talk about post-traumatic growth man, that's a mouthful. Um, what's that? PGG? PTG. Yeah. PTG. I like that. We'll go with that. Um, so I would like to talk about that. And I would like to talk about your journey on what brought you into PTG and what brought you to where you are today. And I'll let you guys do rock, paper, scissor on who wants to start. Jeff, you got this? Uh, yes, I will go first. <laughs> So, you know, I'll I'll take it from a word you said, the kid's dream. Uh, That's what I did. I followed what I thought was my kid's dream, you know, my kid, me, Mm -hmm. my inner child. And I followed it along, followed along and uh, I harvested many skills, many techniques, many experiences. I didn't really know what they were because I was a kid, right? Um, And uh, part of that was wanting to go into the military. Eventually I chased that so-called dream. Um, down that rabbit hole and it exposed me to a whole bunch of different levels of human dynamics. It gave me access to um, doors that most people don't have access to. Um, That's on the professional side, that's on the civilian side, that's on the military side. And those experiences, um, very breadthy, led to eventually me meeting Jess Um, And then from there, we created the special forces experience. And this is all important because really post-traumatic growth, the experience of it is always going on in everybody to some degree, lesser or more. It's a, it's a function of life, not just human life, but cosmological quantum. Um, They follow the same principles. And anyhow, we created the special forces experience and we were approached by a few production companies. The production companies wanted to turn it into kind of like like a selection feel, you know, the, the, the more general thing you see on TV, you know, the hurrah to get those kids dreaming in that direction, mm-hmm. uh, leaving out all the other bits of, we'll call it baggage and things that can come with the military. Um, anyhow, <laughs> we were running our first serial of the process, which is the kind of the flagship of the special forces experience. And Jess, myself, and our director, LZ Luke Montgomery, we're sitting at like 12 at night, following people marching down a road, an endless road. Uh, it was pitch black. It was great. And we were <laughs> like, blah, 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 blah. You know, we should make a documentary. Um, Cause <laughs> Jess and I had been exploring now and researching post-traumatic growth. The concept it's think of it in a gist, you know, if we're going to kind of use dualistic language as the opposite of post-traumatic stress or post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, think of one as, kind of the darker side of it, the low, the hero's journey underworld kind of thing. And then PTG is the gift you get for traversing those struggles and suffering. Does that about sum it up, Jess? Yeah. And I'd just like to add on to that. Um, we came across the term post-traumatic growth out of necessity in explaining what the special forces experience 
even did because while we won't talk too much about that on here, the biggest thing is we're inviting people to attempt something where they don't know what they're going to show up to do. So a lot of the unknown, the unknown is basically the thing, right? How do you sell something to people when they don't know what it's going to be? All they know it's, it's going to suck, right? Like that's a hard sell. Um, so I went back to my roots, which was CrossFit and functional fitness, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and marketing in that space. I wasn't an athlete. I was just a groupie. And um, I was like, what is this word for when people do hard things and they get better? You know, like there's got to be a word for that. And there are a lot of bad options, but I came across post-traumatic growth, you know, actually um, becoming a more excellent version of yourself on the other side of some kind of adversity or challenge. Now that also doesn't mean that you don't, you can't also expect, experience post-traumatic stress on the other side. These things can happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. Being a human is like a roller coaster of, of growth and regression and everything happening all at the same time. And so we, we landed on intentionally facilitated post-traumatic growth being what we do for work. But then as we were explaining that, I was like, a lot of people don't know what post-traumatic growth by itself is. It seems like this phenomena, this thing that just kind of happens to people. And so when we were in that truck, we were thinking, you know, maybe it would be really cool to explore, is there a science behind this or does it just happen? Mm. And so that's what set us on this path of fully dedicating ourselves to this, this thing. I, I imagine after you've done the research and, the, and I guess the science behind it, that doesn't just happen. Post-traumatic yeah, growth. It's totally. a choice. You can do it yourself. Like anybody can do it. And it, that's what makes it controversial too. Mm. Controversial how? Yeah, that's the tricky question. I'm like, why did I bring that up? <laughs> <laughs> so when we're working with people, and you guys may have experienced this yourselves working with people in the military, um, it's it's sucky to be like, you're suffering as a choice, bro. You know, you just be happy. And that first of all is just like a terrible way to validate somebody's experience because PTSD is super, super intense and it can be, you know, and it also can be mild and confusing. And sometimes those mild versions of it can be even more confusing because you're not showing up as the poster child of PTSD. Things are weird for you, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, yeah, the, the, the versions of PTSD you get shown in the media are like the far right <laughs> versions where you're like, you know, hands always on the trigger. You can't quite relax. Nothing. Everything feels like bombs are blowing up. So you, in our culture, you also see that version of it. Uh, you rarely see like what you're saying. You just feel strange. You just feel a little bit off. Totally. Um, so you're not shown the full spectrum. So I'm glad you mentioned the, the kind of the spectrum of post-traumatic growth and post-traumatic stress because it gives you an opportunity to, um, to in, in, in describing it that way, it allows you to kind of articulate where can you be uh, personally responsible and say like, how am I going to choose to experience this? So I'm curious in that same vein, how you're, um, as people go through your program and as you're researching this, what have you found to be sort of the, the markers of people who tend to, who tend to, or can be guided to growth and people who tend to, or, or kind of fall into more victim mentality, potentially lead them deeper into a route of, um, you know, kind of compounding the PTSD, if you will. Uh, Jeff, you want? Yeah, hey, I'll start. Uh, the markers, huh. as you said, it's important, right? We're starting to build up a language, right? If I'm only told there's PTSD and I don't have the opposite, or maybe not even full blown PTSD, just depression mm-hmm. or stress or something, mm-hmm. and I don't have that option, I need to start building up that language, right? Which just comes in to play because it is also one of the tools that is a marker. Um, we're, Evolution is an example that we grow. It's a prime example, you know, whether, um, you know, from a creationist standpoint, it's a little bit harder to show because it's kind of like we're right here and then that's, that's us. We've already mm-hmm. been here in perfection. Um, but from an evolutionary view, we've been doing it ever since whatever the start was, right? It's just mm-hmm. a function. It is there. Uh, only our dualistic thinking denies us this 
access to it. And there's a lot of reasons. So you mentioned markers. So if you look at like our, our tableaus with all the, <laughs> oh, it's this, it's this, it's this, it's mm -hmm. this, it's this, it's this, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's kind of a lot, you know, but mm -hmm. if you boil it down, it's about navigating the human experience properly. Um, like give you a small example. If someone, because stress is both acute and chronic, Mm -hmm. And both mm -hmm. of those can lead to PTSDs or any kind of, you know, that psychological deformity, if you will, not deformity, sorry, survival state, that, that yeah, survival trauma. mechanism, mm -hmm. um, that is that state. But if you sleep after an acute stress the next day and mm. you have REM sleep, you're 70% likely to develop PTSD just right there. Boom. Sleep mm. right there. You don't you sleep. Know? Yeah. If you don't sleep, you're 70% more likely to develop it. Um, so there's all kinds of those factors. You know, we could go down all the markers of physiology, uh, socioeconomic scaling, and you start to get a picture. I would say, and, you know, we're in the final stages of boiling this down, you know, to, to really, if there was a marker, mm -hmm. it's some form of deep connection with yourself, with others, mm -hmm. or some kind of spiritual connection uh, happens with them all. Now mm. there's physiological factors, there's psychological factors, there's all kinds of like history, epigenetics, genetics that lead up to these things that can give you a better chance, mm. um, especially if you've navigated difficult situations mm. um, a lot, right? If I go to the gym and I strain my muscles, I let them heal and go to the mm. gym and I can strain them more. The same mm. thing with your psychology and your emotions and all that. Um, yeah, Jess, what do you think of that? Uh, I think that's great, yeah. Um... So we, we have something called the art of adversity, which we could get into a bit. I don't know if I'm jumping sure. the gun here, but it just feels like a, a nice next step. So yeah. one of these things that Jeff had mentioned is like stressing your body. That's something that is part of the art of adversity, physiologically mm -hmm. being flexible. Um, that's something that's probably not new to you guys or your audience. It builds you so that you can withstand, you know, different types of temperatures and you can lift things and you can be flexible, literally mobility wise and all the things. And then there is rollover into other parts of your life based on you stressing your body intentionally like that. Um, one of the things that we found was interesting this might seem like a no shit moment, but, um, most people that do this, go into the unknown, you know, they intentionally stress themselves in order to build resilience. They tend to only do it in ways that they're already good at doing it. Right. So if you're already pretty good at cold water immersion, you're just going to do more of that and mm -hmm. convince yourself that this is me stepping into the unknown. This is me like doing some intentionally facilitated PTG. Well, like you take that same person and you have them create I don't know, stand up in front of 400 people and give some kind of speech or something like that is also a form of intentionally, um, training yourself to have a greater capacity in unknown situations. And so that's really like another big thing that we've been researching in this doc is what are the things that people can do to train so that when the unknown happens, which this is life unknown is all we can expect. We can, we can have a greater capacity for that. So a lot of things that we'll be talking in the documentary may mm. seem familiar because we are talking about physiologic flexibility. Um, we go down into that um, cellular level, which will be really interesting and new for people. And then we also go into the psychological level. You know, how can analyzing our dream states or getting into altered mm. states also change our perspective and help us see past traumas in ways that we never have before so that we can find meaning in them. And that's another big thing. It's like meaning is huge in PTG and you have to search for it. It's, it's likely not going to just show up for you. You need to find it. Mm. Yeah. I, I, you brought up a couple of good points there. And, um, just as you said that there was some, my own mind, I was kind of putting some pieces together there that, um, the, especially when you're mining, say, you are giving yourself the opportunity to look into your own trauma, to, to, to see it from a different perspective, either through uh, therapy, plant medicines. Uh, you know, we like to do uh, somatic uh, training, somatic uh, healing as well. Uh, that's kind of the basis of what we do. Um, that 
when you're able to be with the experience that brought on the trauma and realize that you can actually hold it in that moment, it allows you to transfer it, to transmute it into something else. Um, and in similar to what you're describing about PTG, that um, it sounds like the, 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 there's a common theme here of choice. And, and Jeff, you said this a little bit with the, the divine or, or something larger than yourself or, or a deep sense of trust in your inner, inner knowing that at some point, if you're able to, to connect with that, that uh, energy, sensation, reality, whatever you want to describe it as, that then makes, it seems to make that connection with the other pieces of growth where it's, okay, I shift my perspective. I have a deep trust in myself. Now, how do I look at that thing that happened to me in the past or a thing I'm currently experiencing and I'll help, help, let that help me be more flexible in reality in my life now? Um, what have you found to be uh, kind of along those lines that you were going uh, um, to be useful or at least the results people are getting out of your programs, things they're, they're experiencing with you guys, especially having gone through the, the filming of the documentary now that you have all this body of work you're able to see it from this macro perspective. Um, yeah. Well, what have you seen people grow into expand into uh, that you didn't expect potentially, or you may not have expected? I guess now I'm not surprised by it. Mm. Uh, there was a time where it was uh, even, even when the, the Tedeschi and Calhoun originally coined the phrase, it was like, we're kind of tiptoeing around this thing. We don't want to say it, you know, human beings are really scared to say certain things. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, just denying the fact that it exists takes away a lot of your choice. Right. And then it does happen inadvertently. There's a lot of things there because um, mm -hmm. life's recursive and uh, it's going to give you a lot of chance for this. Um, I would say that what we tr do in the doc is we move from post-traumatic growth you know, healing, trauma, suffering, struggle, adversity, um, wounds, all those things that you kind of get the hero gets trapped in the underworld, if you will. And then it's, you ask the question of like, what is growth? And then from there, it's a natural evolution to the expansion of consciousness, a quantifiable metric of how you view the world, how much darkness you can handle, how much light and love you can bring into the world. Uh, Cause fear and love kind of sit not opposites they're on a spectrum right um, of each other fear-based emotions fear-based thinking uh, fear-based actions and projections all that and then there's the love-based paradigm uh, which our environment doesn't nurture as well as uh, the fear-based most of our systems are created from fear-based most of uh most of them are old you know they they evolved with us and we we've reached a point now where we're, we're kind of pressing up against it you can feel it in society it's coming it's going to and then the paradigm will shift. And then we have to rejig our systems to allow and nurture systems of true growth and expansion of consciousness. Um, so like there's kind of the buzzwords, you know, people become more spiritual. They experience love for themselves. You know, they experience love for other people. It's not just a four letter word. It's a powerful paradigm. It's, it's, it's a bit forgotten sadly in society mm -hmm. right now because we're so busy with our attention everywhere um some of the things though you know on a, like i mentioned attention people learn to manage the commodity that there is that is their attention they start to focus on things that are it feels psychically more right for them it feels physiologically and psychologically more right for them so they pay attention to what they're reading they're paying attention to what podcasts are listening to they're not just mindlessly filtering people's opinions they realize they go back into childhood um, because there is no, I'm there, you know, that, that don't growth happens and that expansion can continue to happen, but there is no like, boom, I'm there. The second arrived. Think, yeah. The second you think that just remember, that's your ego telling you that <laughs> and you better check in because life's going to do something to challenge that. Right. You, uh, you yeah. die the hero or you live long enough to become the villain. Yeah. My friend just, I just chatted with him. He said that there's a lot of people who believe that safety or security is like right around the corner. Like they're just missed it. Like it's right around the corner. And it's, it's, it's similar to what you're saying that if you keep thinking you're going to arrive, you're always going to be chasing the dragon. It's not You're yeah. never going to get there. Maslow said safety is in direct opposition to growth. Um, mm. So it's good. Mm. You don't always want to be in an insecure state. Insecure just means your environment is pressuring you. Your mm. body is saying, Hey, I better pay attention to this. 
you know, overwhelm all the triggers that happen with fear responses. Um, but you need to feel secure now as well, right? So you do need to move in that safety state and metabolize it after action it, talk about it. Hey, you know, like uh, Jess and I talk about everything. We, we try to pull it apart, but don't just limit it, you know, find wisdom from other people who've traveled these distances. Um, but definitely if you're seeking safety, that's probably action indication that you are in overwhelm. So, so would you say mm. that the, the, what's useful to do is to create internal safety first? Because what you're kind of describing, like safety out in the world, like if you're seeking safety out there, um, or, or are we talking both here? Well, there are a couple of ways we could do that. We had an epigeneticist, uh, well, we interviewed one of our epigeneticists. What was her name? Hon? Um, Dr. Oh. Nomura. Yeah, she was fantastic. Oh my goodness. And she was talking about, you know, you can feel different and then it'll result in you doing things differently on the outside, or you can do things differently on the outside and then you can feel differently on the inside. And it was just like the most simple explanation of self-development strategies that I'd ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Life's a paradox. It's always both. And there, we, we, humans want to dualistically, right? They want to put on a line so that they can conceptualize it better with their left brain, but really it's both. You are constantly interacting with your environment and top down kind of neocortex down, you are interacting with your own environment that way. So it's both. That's where intentionally looking at doing difficult things, the art of adversity or post-traumatic growth intentionally is important because what it does is it gives you the ability to cultivate hope and hope when it gets really, really dark out is what can help get you through that. Whether it's like a function of your prefrontal cortex, or if it's, it's something in your ganglia in your stomach, wherever it really is, it doesn't really matter. Cause um, if you cultivate it, some people might call it character, you know, character builds hope, that kind of thing. You're able to move through, um, those things. And as Jess was saying, she's an epigeneticist. Your epigenetics change because of your environment, mm -hmm. but it goes both ways. It happens mm -hmm. both ways. There is no, you know, that's kind of the lack of consilience with science and philosophy right now is it's like, no, it's this way. No, it's this way. Well, no, no, it's both. And then it's probably a million other degrees that we can't even conceptualize right now. Um, and that's not to make it sound nebulous because when you simplify it, it actually makes it quite uh, palatable and manageable. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I like how we're talking about epigenetics. Uh, so <laughs> many people come in. Sorry, let me back up. I'm a chiropractor. I see patients on the daily and I always talk about um, family stuff. And a lot of people come in and say, oh, my, you know, my family has back pain and I got a history of back pain. I'm like, ah, if you know anything <laughs> about epigenetics, I don't, <sighs> really don't give a flying fuck. Like, yeah. okay, you might be predisposed towards something because your genetics, but like, Genetics are the primer. Your environment's the trigger. Yeah. Oh, and think about what's happening there. Now they're telling this story that reinforces yeah. downwards and it just like creates a feedback loop because yep. fear is afraid of itself and yep. it'll feed yep. itself. I, I only have so many so much time and day to spend with a patient and, and that takes about uh, several hours to get to that level with them. So maybe yeah, down you, the road. You, you just got to cool down their ego so they're ready to absorb info and then blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, yeah. For sure. It's so easy. I can do that in like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really interesting point that, uh, there, Lance, too, that um, along the lines of what Jeff was sharing, that you, it sounds also that there's a space of, okay, if you believe that this thing is going to, you know, uh, trigger your poor genetics or, or, you know, something you inherited, then you, not only do you continue the cycle, you're also not open to the idea, this hope thing you were sharing, like, hey, there's probably there's a probability that there are other ways that this could go but you're not even looking at them you haven't even you know put your your attention towards that so how have you guys found to that we that you can help people turn their attention uh towards that hope uh, that you were describing how do you create how do you help people get there through this adversity kind of principles that you're sharing well, I would say through the art of storytelling and mm. cinematics, first of all, because a lot of this information you can find if you really look hard in studies here and there, and there's these little bits of YouTube channels that are very, very helpful, but they're boring and they're academic. 
And yep. so we really wanted to work with, with what it means to be human and entertain people also. And so we made it a point to find excellent storytellers. So you all know Paris Robinson. Mm-hmm. He is going to kick off our series and talk about cool. miracles happening. One of the things that we wanted to highlight was miracles are not just possible. They're probable, you know, Paris Robinson wasn't this guy that was born onto this planet with all these resources and all this agency. And like, you know, he just had all the tools to be able to heal his body. And for anybody listening who doesn't know who he is, he was um, a, a drug dealer in Richmond and for a long time. And like, he was really good at it, you know, and um, he got shot multiple times in the chest and was paralyzed from the neck down. And through a series of insights and intuitive moments, he intuited how to heal his body. Um, he intuited that I need to not limit my miracles and observe my mom showing up to me as a vision, as an actual angel, not just me hallucinating. So that's one thing too. We as humans tend to talk, um, tend to like limit the cool stuff that happens, the synchronicities, the magic. We like, like to talk it away. Like, oh, well, maybe it's just that maybe I haven't, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm paralyzed. So I'm probably seeing things, you know, or maybe it's a fucking angel, you know? And so what's true and what's helpful, do those things matter? You know, what matters more to you? So he intuited, okay, I'm going to accept this vision of my mom as a miracle. I'm going to take it as a sign to do my physical therapy. I'm going to um, set goals for myself. I'm going to learn how to speak impeccably with whatever tools that I have. I'm going to look, look back at my past and figure out, okay, why did that happen? What blessings have I gained based on those traumas that have happened in my past? Like he just intuited all these things. And so we went and we found experts on all these things on language, Mark England, on the physiology, Dr. Mike T. Nelson on miracles. Me, of course, just kidding. Um, I brought in a medicine woman from Costa Rica. So we really wanted to dive into all all these things that people that have these lived experiences of post-traumatic growth, what did they intuit and how can we all do that too? Yeah. If I could say something on that as well, Jess, um, what happened here is the breadth of this expanded, right? Cause it, you know, it went from PTG to, okay, how can we expand consciousness? What is consciousness? How do we do why? And then it's like, why is it per- important? You know, like, so it encompasses a lot of the human experience, just something interesting too. Um, Jess is absolutely right. People want to define the more you try to define space and time, the more neurotic you're going to feel. And I'm not saying we don't, we obviously do need to. Um, if you want to give everything definition though, you're not going to find the answer because then you completely do away with the abstract reality of nature. And mm-hmm. we can't really put that into words. There's done studies done with schizophrenics, you know, where the corpus collapsum has been split and it's showing um, that this actually happens. Not only that, there's been research done showing that our left brain is expanding, you know, just from usage while the right side is contracting. It started around the 1400s when the printing press was released. So we keep using this one side to try to define meaning and you know we, we're losing the other side more and more because it's reinforced in our environment i just wanted to say with paris robinson he had a profound shaping of where he was going to put his attention okay when we're born into the world we already talked about epigenetics genetics then we're cultured to have our attention focused a certain way that's we'll just call it our sensory input you can call it five six whatever you want for sensory inputs um He had a near-death experience, very likely, you know, there was a flood of DMT or something like that, which triggered that last like ditch effort to survive. And I'm not going to go deep into the spiritual side of it, because I do believe that it becomes very existential and outside of us into quantum domains and things like that, that we could rabbit hole. Um, But then it's like, okay, now what do I have in my environment as well? You know, what are the resources? Oh, there's a nurse, there's this, there's that, there's this, right? So it starts this catalyst for that. Um, mm. Now, near-death experiences, um, that is what we move towards with our program. I do not recommend that people just try to do a near-death experience. I would steer them towards <laughs> plant medicine, which can give you very similar states of high entropy. And in those states, you know, you have the probability to make beautiful new connections while there's, you know, serotonin floods and things like that. We won't go too deep into that though. Mm. 
Yeah, that's a really great point that he that he had the experience and then he said, okay, well, what does that mean for my life right now? What can I do about it? These <laughs> nurses around, whatever, I can look for help. I can expand myself. I think we, we've gone, we, we actually did a series on ayahuasca, 10 episodes uh, a few few episodes ago. And we, we found that uh, through all those conversations that um, the people who were able to connect the dots from the ethereal, from the divine, whatever, we're not going to get into that, as you said, um, that we're able to bring it into their life, who are able to truly um, uh, integrate the experience were the ones who had the most transformation over the long term. Um, the, the peeking into that right brain connection that you were describing um, is helpful and then the left brain sort of puts it together into a new operating system, a new way of being, a new way of showing up. So it's it's interesting to, it's like you do need some framework. You need some something to, to allow you to move through life. And there's a level of development where, you, where, where your, your next section is obscured. Whatever the next thing for you is, you can't quite see. And so allowing yourself to learn how to trust that thing. And I think Paris Robinson's story very much sounds like he was able to do that intuitively after that experience of, um, of being paralyzed. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, really fascinating. Um, do you want to say something on that, Jess? Yeah, when you, when you tend to, and tend not, let me say this a different way. Uh, when you're looking for meaning from something adverse in your life, or yep. something traumatic. It's a very Western approach to interpret it very quickly. Like, oh, well, it meant this. And that's okay because we're Western people. There's nothing wrong with that. Another thing to contemplate though, is maybe we can tend to that meaning, tend to it like a garden. Because like you were mentioning, John, this is like, <clears throat> a lot of this is experimentation and trust in yourself. We're gonna get some of these messages wrong, right? Um, because in a way, trusting ourselves when we are trying to learn more about um, turning symbolism into something meaningful in our lives, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's like risking nothing and also risking everything at the same time, because you're mm -hmm. opening yourself up to this whole new world of possibilities. And am I going crazy? And is this stupid? And are people going to get this? These are a lot of the thoughts that come into mind when we're doing I don't know, plant medicines, or we're interpreting our traumas. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times those two things are the same thing, right? Um, I think that if we can learn to experiment and tend to things rather than interpreting and being like, this is what it means, that can be a lot more of a gentle and also adventurous way to get through this material um, and, mm -hmm. and can be more of a fun process rather than an all or nothing kind of thing. Because when Jeff is talking about this left and right brain thing, you know, we had stopped talking about this in the, in the nineties, I think when, sorry, there's a lot of noise happening. I'm at my parents' house right now. Keep it down, I'm on a podcast. <laughs> um, I think that it was, uh, we stopped talking about it around the nineties because they found that a lot of the things we believe to be true from these experiments that happened when they cut uh, through this corpus callosum of, of these, poor individuals <laughs> that went through this experiment yeah. <laughs> right? volunteers for that yikes right <laughs> they found a lot of those things to not be true but now i mean uh, okay yeah i think it was um gosh i don't remember the author of this book but anyway uh, mcgillchrist ian mcgillchrist uh he mm. wrote this amazing book it's long and like you could watch a youtube video on it and get the gist i hate to say that but but maybe buy his book and give him some funding and then watch the YouTube. Um, but basically <laughs> this great, he had this great analogy of uh, a bird and the bird obviously has two parts of its brain and it uses the left brain to grasp what's known. So it's hopping around the, mm -hmm. you know, the street, it sees a seed in a pile of pebbles, you know, it needs its left brain to be able to know that that's a seed and to be able to peck at it and eat it without getting a beak full of, of, sand. Um, but it also needs its right brain to be open, to have this open consciousness around what's unknowable. So are there predators coming? Um, what is the wind like, you know, is, is this seed, you know, just like all these other things that you couldn't consciously think about all at the same time, 
because all you're doing is focusing and grasping. So we have created the society that is very, very left brain focused because the left brain speaks very loudly on its own behalf because it's contextualized, it's sterilized, it's in a box, you know, it's mm. categorized, all these things that we like because it's easy to understand. What is post-traumatic growth? Yeah, post-traumatic growth is personal strength, new, poss new possibilities, spiritual growth, DDD, all these five things. We love lists of five things, right? <laughs> but the right brain side of post-traumatic growth is like, look, you can be super stressed out. You can have hardcore PTSD, but also be a more evolved version of yourself on this other side. Even if you're having so many unpleasant feelings and you've lost your whole family because of it and all this, you don't know what side of history you're on, you know? And that was another big thing for us. when we, when we dove into this is we knew, I think I'm going to share something that I wasn't planning on sharing. Um, we knew when we started this, editing it. <laughs> so be careful. <laughs> That's okay. I'm always an overshare. God, every time I hop on a podcast, I'm like, Jeez, just keep it together. Don't say anything crazy. <laughs> then I always do. Uh, so we knew when we tackled this topic that the universe was going to put us through this topic, right? You mm -hmm. can't just choose to do something full on and not expect life to be like, oh, you sure you want to do that? And let's see. And so, um, mm. all three of us, Jeff, myself and LZ, we all went through quite the year and we're still all in it. You know, um, Jeff and I have separated a couple of months ago. And so we're just brand new in this relationship of like, what is it like to not be romantically involved, but also still super love each other. Mm. And, um, it's not over, but it's like just one of these so the documentary is now called Dark Night of Our Soul. We, we renamed mm. it. It was a working title because we felt that this was really important for people to also follow our journey of like, at the end of this, you know, there's not always where you're at right now is not the end, you know, and how could we create this documentary without also showing that we're in our dark nights right now, having some of the most stressful moments of my life, like the hardest days of my life. And I think Jeff, you could probably speak to that as well. Um, which is that to know, to do this work, to go through all this research and to put the story together. And at the end of it, be like, I actually feel super resourced now. This is the hardest mm. moment of my life. And also I think I actually know what to do. I don't know what my life's going to look like tomorrow, but I know that I have all the tools and I know that it's possible that this version of Jessica is, is like not even close to tomorrow's and the next days and the next days. Mm. So I think, I don't even, you didn't ask anything that like even got me close to that, but I did want to share that, um, wherever you're at in your life right now, if it's hard, fucking good. Like there's so many things that you can learn from hard times. <laughs> um, one thing that I've noticed humans don't like change for some weird reason. We don't like change. <laughs> And we've said this before, everybody's heard is change is inevitable. It's the only thing that's constant in life. Like I, I'm a doctor. I love looking at the anatomy, physiology, cellular level. Cellularly, every day we are a new person. So when we fight the change that comes, whether um, through whatever, it, it, we're fighting what is inevitable. Um, instead, why don't we just go with the flow and ride the wave? It's so much more fun that way. I yeah. love that. Do you mind? I, I could say something on that if you don't mind. Please do, Jeff. Um, well, you know, that's that's the fear-based mindset. That's that's the ego talking. Um, mm -hmm. It likes to run its patterns, right? And what it'll do is it'll create a prison of your own habits and that'll constrict down. So in the West, we like to think, oh, you know, we're not in survival mode. You know, I got food, I got a shelter. Most people have access to resources, but we're in what's called augmented survival. Um, most people don't feel truly self-confident, you know, they really don't have trust in the world, um, because they haven't cultivated that hope enough. And what happens that compounds on those fear mindsets, fear mindset in a gist creates closed node thinking, and it just works off your implicit bias, the wiring you already have, you know, from genetics, epigenetics, culturing up and creates loops. That's like a good indicator of someone who's in overwhelm. They're not open-minded, right? Um, you want to see a closed-minded person, their mouth is always open because they're defending their stance. Now it's okay to have dialogue and even argument, right? To decide, Hey, this, this feels more congruent or this lines up better. Um, but if one thing 
You know, if there's one thing the fear-based mindset doesn't really want is change. And it's interesting because you watch someone collapse in on themselves like a dying star with PTSD or whatever, they, they change less and less and less, but somewhere inside of them, it's like, I want to change more than anything. You know, I, I want this to go away, but they become, it's almost like an addiction, right? To mm -hmm. running those patterns. Um, so it's, that's why it's important to, you know, baby step it and start. Okay. Well today I'm going to do this. This is outside just mentioned comfort zone. There's edges of your comfort zone. And then there's outside of that box and you navigate those one step, oh, one step at a time, right? You don't just go zero to insert yeah. image of the most intense thing on earth. Right. Um, you, you build that skill up. It's yeah. Yeah. I love that. The, the idea of both of your, your points, Jess, uh, Jessica and uh, Jeff, uh, the one thing being um, what sounds like where you've developed, Jessica, the sense of trust in yourself that the next thing will be your next growth edge and that even though it's a difficult uh, period of, of your life in the right now, that you know that something else is going to be born, something else is going to be new, as well as what you said, Jeff, around the skill of being able to do that. Like, how do you, because I, I, I believe that trust is a, is a, a quality you develop. And, uh, and what you're saying, Jeff, is a skill that you can, you can almost train it. You can, well, not almost, you can literally train it uh, to be able to face that next um, layer of, of development for you. So it's interesting to hold those, those two things at the same time, this sort of, that same energy we we're talking about earlier of, um, uh, I, these are the knowns, you know, the, like the bird, uh, example you gave, like, these are the knowns, the rocks, the things that I, I, I need to pay attention to. And here are the unknowns, the things that are around the corner, the things that are going to uh, bring me some growth. So it's, um, it's interesting to tell people, both of those things can be true at the same time. You can have a deep love and trust of yourself and, and love all the knowns and create a paradigm for whatever it is you understand today in your life. And also say, and also I'm not going to like stay in this fear death mentality because I know the edges are over there. There's another thing that I'm going to be learning. There's other parts of my personality, my, my personhood that I'm going to explore that I don't know yet. You know, I was talking to a friend earlier about, um, um, I, I got a part-time gig for a little while, the last few months. And, um, I never realized there's so many lessons that I've been learning in a few months that I it never occurred to me when I was a, a captain in the Marine Corps, like it didn't enter my field of vision because I didn't even think that that was a possibility. And so when I opened that doorway to a new possibility, I, I've been learning a great deal of lessons from something that I used to consider like, you know, my ego used to consider lesser than or not, not something that I would have thought I would do in the past. And so there's, there's so many layers of it that don't necessarily have to be this, uh, in the Western mind, you still think of like, steps to get to the next promotion or the next whatever thing there's that doesn't exist you, we've, we've, mm. we've manufactured that so if, if you're not thinking in steps and you're thinking more in like um uh expansion outward of like what you're what's possible for you then every one of these layers seems like oh wow i didn't even it's i didn't even imagine that that was possible i imagine uh doing this documentary that's what kept happening like well, I didn't even think we were going to talk to this guy, but that guy had a really great point and, and she showed us uh, the science of it. And all of a sudden you've got a really well-told story with a really interesting through line that connects the dots in a way that you might not have expected. Um, yeah. How is that documentary creation now that you're, I, mean, I imagine in the editing stages, I think. Mm -hmm. um, how is it now kind of piecing that story together having put together what I imagine is hundreds of hours of film and, and interviews and stuff. How's that going? From a technical standpoint, it is a beast. <laughs> it's <laughs> okay. so crazy. Like yeah. we, Jeff, how many interviews do we have? Every interview is probably three hours. And the people that we had, um, we were so blessed to connect with on this showed up from second zero, you know? And so it's hundreds maybe thousands of hours. And so it's funny, um, our, our director, Luke LZ, every time I do a zoom call with him, his hair is just like, like this. And he's like, just killing these babies. That's, that's what he calls it. Like you got to kill your babies. Cause everything's so good. And you just love all of it. And you're just, he's like, it's a slaughter over here. I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm like, you all right, bro. He's like, yeah, I'm, 
I'm great. <laughs> I've been in your basement for months now, I think. No, but um, the editing process is really exciting. And also, I don't know, it's like we want to put it all in there and to mm. have to get rid of so much of it. It's like mm -hmm. the basis is most people don't know that post-traumatic growth is even a thing. So we're needing to keep it tight. And mm. also mm -hmm. like we love talking about quantum leaps and plant medicines. And I mean, even just talking about breath alone could mm. be an entire 10 episode show. series. Right. So that has been for me, the most challenging bit. Mm. And also the vulnerability of putting our own story in there. Um, it's one thing to tell their other people's stories, but it's mm -hmm. another thing to show our own thing. I'll give you an example. At the very beginning, we recorded some interviews, um, just as a little baseline. What do we think is going to happen? And I was 30 pounds heavier than I am now. I didn't realize what kind of overwhelm I was in and what inflammation I was carrying. I was at that, I was like, I didn't know I was fat, fat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you guys have ever been there. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Still there. <laughs> I love you, <laughs> and, um, and so that, that made it into the doc. I'm like, Oh, feeling weird about this, but that's my story. You know, it took me needing to go through actually training myself on the things that I learned about in this documentary and making intentionally facilitating my own trauma, you know, separating from the person that I love most in the world, because I knew that I needed a major shakeup in my life. And I didn't know if that was a good decision or not. I still don't, you know, it's one of those things, but now looking back mm -hmm. at that, I'm like, it's not a story unless I'm feeling like a little afraid of it, you know? And so mm. there's little bits of that that are in there that are really exciting for my own personal development <laughs> from a selfish standpoint. Yeah. That's yeah, it's awesome. It's also, it shows the wisdom that you guys have, have put together throughout this. Yeah. You got to be careful of unearned wisdom, right? Um, mm. Otherwise you're not a master and you're just, you know, someone talking out their butt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, philosophers on a mountaintop, like, yeah. You know, playing with ideas. Yeah. yeah. Come down and plunge your hands into the muck. Mm -hmm. um, but it's an interesting point. The vulnerability, it's super key because most people don't know even how to be vulnerable, to really be vulnerable. Um, there's a lot of layers to it, right? There's like, I don't know how to do it. I, I don't practice that act. And then there's like, what do I got to be vulnerable about, mm -hmm. you know? And so there's just like this, like multifaceted. And that's kind of, it's interesting too, just like totally left out the fact that, uh, We've never made anything in film before. Luke is a videographer and we made some courses together. So there's been this hyper steep learning curve of like lighting and sound and, you know, how to interview now, you know, Jess is a podcaster. So, if, and, and, and a journalistic background so that we had lots of leg ups and we're not, you know, three dopes bouncing off each other. Like he's <laughs> cops. I hope um, not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe it is. Maybe we'll put it up and people will be like, Oh, it's like, uh, like the movie, the room. Right. Um, you guys ever see that? No, yeah. but now I'm going to. It's a terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it was, I think it's rated the worst movie of all time, but Tommy Wiseau <laughs> thought he was making this he was, artful masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that mm. actually is something that we worry about delusion <laughs> because, mm. because we're so passionate about it and you got to check yourself mm. constantly, you know. But Luke is the most fantastic cinematographer I know, and he he is so naturally talented and he also did go to university for um, filmmaking and stuff like that. But mm. yeah, it's been like, are we wasting our life savings on this? And we keep coming back to, you know, if, even if this doesn't get on Netflix, which it is like, we're manifesting that and we already have some good connections going on. Um, even if that doesn't happen, this was needed for us. And, and so somebody else will need it out there. Um, so that's always our check of like, oh God, what are we doing? <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I, I imagine there's a little fear of uh, making this documentary. I think you guys would both agree with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it sounds like the more you step into that fear and acknowledge it and move towards it, I think you were saying this, Jessica, um, things just started showing up. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I mean, the last two and a half years with the pandemic, fear has been rampant. Um, media, you can just talk to people outside, whatever. Fear is a huge thing. Um, and I've said this numerous times on podcasts, fear for me is somewhat of a compass within relative means. Like I'm not just going to jump out of an airplane without a shoot on. Um, but the things that I'm afraid of, I'm like, fuck. I know I need to go talk to this person. 
and it's like you guys are saying this when you walk into that fear and you move more towards it things just magically happen yeah that feeling you know that we get down in our solar plexus when like fear is really acting up Mm -hmm. for some reason we train people to think that that is to be scared of Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and like you said, it's a litmus. It's like, oh, okay, that's new, you know, mm-hmm. and it takes courage, no matter what you do in work or outside work to step over. That's what the hero needs. He needs courage. She needs courage. And so you, you allow it to happen. And then once you let those energies start flowing through you, they gas you up, right? They light you up. They help you move into those realms. Um, I would, you know, as always uh, juxtapose that or just like throw in the, the opposite because it is both and you do need you can't exist in a fear state um, and have synchronicities happen all the time like right. they will come because you got to calm down and allow your whatever you want to call it reticulated activating system all those attention setters reorient to like this new probability of what the problem actually is and then boom things light up and you know i i believe in a thing something like morphogenic field or i just kind of use the word consciousness you know i don't stop myself at my body obviously in time and space this is me but there's something really nice on the quantum level or beyond that's going on that you'll start calling in these things um and there's there's research and stuff on that and it did happen it was amazing it was amazing it was like what no (laughs) you know how did you come into our sphere this is crazy you know, the craziest miracles and and, um, <laughs> beyond just well-placed networking and good smiles. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know you said we aren't going to talk about this and we're a little late in the podcast, but man, I want to talk about that. Uh, the other, uh, what you were talking about now, Jeff, the morphogenic field and, and synchronicities, but uh, that would be a beautiful whole nother episode we could talk about um, yeah the, those are the, my favorite rabbit holes by the way you, yeah. you said it like well we're not gonna talk about it. we're like yeah come yeah on, well most people are still working at kind of tuning up the atman and yeah. the brahman is still a little ways off for them you that's know? all right they um, can so, catch up yeah yeah well i i think the conversation should still happen yeah um I would like to say one thing about synchronicities if i may is sometimes you need to, well i think all the time when something shows up acknowledge it as being a sign from the universe that might sound like the most basic bumper sticker but it's once you start acknowledging and pointing out oh yeah that's for me that's for me it's not narcissistic to think that the universe is on your side and then you start to notice more and more how these like you create your own luck like that mm-hmm. yeah it has it's to be on our similar side. to what jeff, here yeah what you were saying jeff is your attention turns towards it Mm-hmm. So whether or not the universe is doing it for you, you know, as a bumper sticker, when you turn to your attention source, that's the, you're going to generate, uh, you're going to pay attention to the data that creates the new belief or the new beliefs or the mm-hmm. new, new mental frameworks that keep you going in a new direction, or at least point you in that, in that direction. So that's a really interesting point. I'm curious actually about, um, you mentioned hesitancy uh, kind of earlier in the podcast about um, hesitancy, hesitancy to talk about post-traumatic growth, given that there's so much literature and, and a body of work out there on post-traumatic stress and other, uh, you know, for, for military, I would say TBI is something else, you know, traumatic brain injury. Um, what is, what did you find either within yourself or in the kind of broader community to be the hesitancy to talk about PTG in this way? Jess, I'm going to go first, if you don't mind, because I, I like to think of it like this, kind of that triune, the hero, the victim, and the villain. Um, life can happen to you, but it, Jess and I both agree, and probably you guys, life happens for you. And everybody is part of this when I say this, okay? No one has, you know, like we said about being there, no one is there. There's always things you can do better, right? There's coping mechanisms you can undo. There's behaviors you can add. That's what the path to enlightenment is. It's becoming more capable of moving around in ease with the particles around you. Um, But yeah, the the hero, the victim, and the villain. Um, The victim and the villain are both people who blame outward circumstances. the villain does it reactively where they kind of attack the outward, outer world and um, the victim blames themselves in that world and they repress, right? And then the hero moves above that. They courageously are able to move above that. The problem with that is 
a simple concept, hurt people hurt people. And the victim and the villain don't really realize that it doesn't matter if you're constricting in, you're going to hurt the environment around you. And you know, like, I'm going to say something that you probably never heard. It's one of the most self-centered things you can actually do. It is literally centering your universe on yourself. And yes, there's things around you. So, you know, I was in a tier one unit. Uh, I was around a lot of you know, hostile stuff, a lot of stuff from the environment. And I see people constricting. And of course, I don't blame them. I don't point a finger and I don't look at them with any, I don't deliver shame their way because that's not going to help anything. Um, but it's until people start really looking at that and understanding it. It's difficult once you start putting in things like uh, addictive patterns, especially with drugs, um, it, you become super blind to it, you know? So it's almost impossible to, mm -hmm. to see it. Uh, people do, and they do pull themselves out. But it was that concept because- if I say, hey, there's PTG, most people think non-linear, um, sorry, in a linear way, they're dualistic thinkers. So that's going to be like, if I don't agree with that, I'm everything else. And if I'm these things, you know, I'm against that. So we had this like hesitancy to champion it because we knew we didn't want to offend people because then the message is harder to deliver, right? So how do you move around this thing how do you make it an empowerment tool right in in pandora's box everything escaped except hope how do we help people dig in there through the black box to gather that hope without offending them you know maybe sometimes it takes that offense um so if we look you mentioned all our systems are pretty much fear-based they're starting to mm -hmm. as you said transmute into new things i think through kind of like uh guerrilla efforts, if you will, not guerrilla as in hostile, because it's, it's people who are bringing love into the world through means like this that are helping do that. But everything else is like, they're, they're, this feeds their system. People being scared and in fear feeds their system. People who are stressed feeds the medical system. So it, it's, it's feeding into this system. No one's guilty or not guilty. Everybody's a little bit guilty, you know? And that's, that's where this started to shape up into that, you know, like, okay, well, if we're going to bring this thing, then we might highlight these things. And are we ready to go there? Do, do we have enough um, data? Do we have enough research? Do we have enough ancient wisdom? Do we, do we, do we, you know, and um, conviction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so, okay, we're going to step into this unknown. We're going to put everything on the line. Like Jess said, you know, life savings, all this kind of stuff are potentially our reputations, which, you know, nobody knows who I am, but <laughs> a little bit of a reputation. Um, so, you know, we, that's, that's why we, mm. we had those moments of hesitation. My, from my point of view, Jess, I don't know about you. Yeah. Uh, one of the more basic ones is that if you, if you subscribe to post-traumatic growth being a possibility for you, then you may then need to give into or acknowledge or accept or be grateful for the experience that happened to you. And that could imply that we're justifying the bad thing. You know, mm. if you got raped, if somebody killed a family member, are we implying that, well, good, you know, because you benefited from that somehow. It's just like a funny thing to play around with. And so obviously, no, we're not going to justify things happening. You know, we're not going to um, glorify the rapist because hell, like if you get raped, you could be a better person on the other side of it. I mean, it's an insane thing to say, but I just want to be very clear that we can still be grateful for the way that you handle that experience and be grateful for the moment in your life without being like glad it happened, you know, and good for that guy. So that's one thing, a more complicated um, controversy that I don't think anybody's going to think of, but something that I thought of was if you're going to create, if you're going to expand your capacity to handle many situations with grace, it's possible that your level of tolerance is just too great and past what's reasonable for you. So I'll give you an example. Um, let's say that there's a woman, she as a child was abused physically or verbally, let's say verbally by her dad. And, um, this kind of training, you know, slow bits of training has increased her capacity to operate in that environment her whole life. So that could be why she gets into a romantic relationship later in her life with a man that's similar to that. It's because most women who grew up, well, I don't know if most is actually the stat, but like, let's say another woman that grew up without a father who was verbally abusive, um, her capacity to operate normally or well in an environment with a romantic partner that's 
going to treat her like that. Her tolerance is like, nah, I'm not about it. You can't treat me like that, you know? So you can see how an increased capacity isn't always the best. So I don't think I'm going to address that in the doc, but it was just something that I thought of. Yeah. Hmm. It's a nuance that needs to be addressed because those are those like kind of semantics, those, those things that you start to, to wrestle with, because of course we're not saying create more capacity for resilience so that you can be in a shitty relationship, you know? Um, <laughs> exactly. Like, the, the, like those are the, 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 that goes back to the unknown is also what, what, what are your shadows? You know, that's what Jess does. Mm-hmm. She helps people find the conditioning that has set you up for these patterns that seem normal, you know, and that's keeping you in the loop, keeping you in the spiral, the repetitive loop. And that's suffering. Being addicted to that pattern is suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's difficult because at some point you might, there are, you know, the jury's out if there's some bypasses, you know, if it actually works, but at some point you're going to feel that. And that, you know, can be really terrifying for people really actually feeling an experience. I mean, it's a lot. We've been gifted with this mm-hmm. beautiful toolbox called emotions and feelings. And mm-hmm. sometimes they're a lot, you know, and that's why people <laughs> do what they do. That's why they escape. That's why they suppress themselves and work. And yeah, that's mm-hmm. why they suppress and repress. Um, and then they don't know how to resolve and dissolve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really great point. And, and, uh, I have faith and trust after talking to you guys for an hour that you'll find a way to tell that story really brilliantly. Um, I think you guys have shared so much with us today and I, um, yeah, in the process, it seems like you've, you've uncovered a lot of your own stuff and also become uh, guides, teachers in a way that uh, you may not have had kind of the pieces together before, or at least in a different way. Um, and I'm really excited to see that and see where, where, where it shows up and how we can, maybe it will be on Netflix. I'm excited to sit in my house and actually watch it. Um, it will be on Netflix. Yeah. And I, I to handled make, one last thing I'm really um, excited that you guys brought up the, about um, the gorilla style. You mentioned this, Jeff, um, uh, because I, I've, I've had, sat with this quite a lot lately that because of the way, what Lance was saying, a lot of our uh, systems, uh, our fear-based systems are kind of key people on the hamster wheel of uh, whatever it is, medicine or, or even psychotherapy in many ways, it keeps people, keep people looping. Um, touch on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, and this is huge in a, in the veteran community, you know, we, we talk about it on our podcast all the time. We're like, there's a ton of charities, nonprofits, things helping people out, but not a lot of people, getting people out of those situations, growing from those experiences. Um, I like the idea of the gorilla style or uh, Lance's wife might say pirate style um, of saying, hey, the systems are what they are. These are the realities or whatever. There are some people who will, inside of those systems, seek to improve them, seek to, to make them better. That's what they're called to do. And then there are others like you guys and, and, and us and some other organizations out there, teams, small teams usually, that are creating this like small little pockets of communities. Like, hey, we, we've created our style of how we like to do it. Here's our language around it. We've built this, this system that's going to help you um, both create deeper inner trust and uh, build the skill, like Jeff was saying, of being more capable of change and holding more. Um, and I, I, you know, I hope that I trust and I know as well that this will be uh, more, there'll be more of these groups, these teams, these documentary filmmakers uh, creating more and more for people who are kind of sick of it. They're like, okay, this hasn't been working. So I need to find a way to connect the dots uh, that is going to be, that's going to allow me to grow and expand and, and live a more fulfilling and joyful life day to day, which I find um is also a byproduct of you sitting with these things. You can do the challenging thing and then look around and go, wow, I really have a great life. This is incredible. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you guys for being on today. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> where can everybody find you? Where can we find the information individually for you guys and uh, all the little pies that you guys have your fingers in? <laughs> mm. um, 
Well, you can find the Special Forces Experience at thespecialforcesexperience.com. I'm sorry that's so long, but I really like the <laughs> SEO. Uh, you can find the documentary teaser and more information on Dark Night of Our Soul, which is about post-traumatic growth at posttraumaticgrowth.film. And you can find Jeff, I'll just go through all of them. Um, you can find Jeff on Instagram at Jeff Depati, D-E-P-A-T-I-E underscore and myself, Jessica Depati underscore. Um, and we, I like, I'll speak on your behalf again, Jeff. I just wanted to thank you guys for having us on. It's really neat to speak to other ambassadors from another tribe that's, has, that's cut from the same cloth. Like you were mentioning, John, it's just really neat to be able to live at a time where we can create our own cultures and piggyback off of some excellent people from our past and look into the future. And it doesn't, it feel like this grand experiment a little bit, just like, oh yeah wild right what a great time <laughs> that's to be what alive. life is yeah well well thank you i i'll, I'll take that compliment i yeah, appreciate it too <laughs> um again thanks for being on and uh we'll talk to you guys later